Talmor, Sheshin Mugachi. Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My grand says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a story glass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts. The thing that I fought tooth and nail to bring my son into is Dungeons and Dragons. That is the ultimate solution to parenthood. I'm Alexis Ohanian. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. I talked to Rain Wilson. I wanted to learn more about Rain's advice to play D&D with your kids. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Nintendo! October 6, 2016. I am Jose Otero. This is Per Schneider. Hey. And we are one man down because Brian Altano is not with us. He's over at Comic-Con, but you're still listening to IGN's Nintendo show. We usually place him over there, but right now it's just us. How are you doing? So, so we have a 20th anniversary in the works. IGN turned 20 this year, uh, more specifically last episode. Yeah. We had that awesome little surprise yeah, you guys uh, slash me. gag from Steve Butts. But uh, talk a little bit about it, because we always want to remind folks, we have a celebration coming in partnership with Alienware. Yeah, so 20 year, it's called 20 Years of Gaming. So if you Google IGN 20 Years, uh, years of Gaming, you'll find the event. It's, uh, this, uh, it's on October 15th, mm-hmm. Saturday. So, you know, you don't have to take off from work. Uh, if you buy a ticket, you also get access to our studio tour at the IGN offices on the 14th. So mm-hmm. you will see us um, give you a tour. You can ask questions. But yep. the big event is and the next And this is better day. than our normal first Friday tour just oh, yeah. for folks who are like, ah, I can get that for free on a Friday. Well, I'll be around. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, but All then right. on the 15th, we will have a great live show produced by Darren Brazil um, here, here at IGN. It's going to have a segment. It's going to have Beyond versus Unlocked versus NVC. So, Why yes. are we doing this? Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna all be on stage at once. Mm. Uh, we'll we'll still try to figure out how that's gonna happen, <laughs> but it'll be really fun. So you'll be in the audience. You can watch this kind of basically live podcast. Um, we have a couple of other really cool things. They'll be up at noon. Uh, you know, Naomi will be there from the Daily Fix. You get to meet all the IGN editors. You get to win stuff from the Alienware guys, which isn't too shabby because because yeah, it's not cheap. Those are the machines cheap. you want. There'll be you food heard. and drink included in the price. A T-shirt included in the price. But after the whole. thing, Thing. Steve Butts and I, the editor-in-chief uh, and the, the co-founder of IGN, will do a Q&A um, where we answer the question that we ask most of the time. And that's how to get a job in games mm. media, how to get a job at IGN. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through the things that need to be on your resume and how to apply, how to nail it, right? Um, and then uh, if you bring your resume to the thing and give it to me, 
I'm going to go through each resume, which we don't often do, right? Because we get thousands of applications for some of the jobs. And I'm going to write back to each of you and tell you what you need on that res resume in order to cut it in a job like that. Sound cool? I think like that's it? extremely generous, but Aww. also like, don't just give them the resume. Be nice, say hello, take advantage of the opportunity. No, I, I mean, like, I, I've met some folks who like sometimes that's the challenge, right? Like walking up to someone they don't know or that they know through a video that they watch every week versus like in person. And sometimes some of the social stuff doesn't come through. So please stop, say hello, say what's up, then present the resume and let them know uh, what you know what you're looking for because that's always important too. Like we all started somewhere. Yeah, and I, I know not everybody can be in San Francisco in the Bay Area. If you are uh, within driving distance, do come to it. It's going to be really Yeah, awesome, it's worth your time, for sure. Um, it's hard for us to take these shows on the road because when we travel somewhere, we can't do all the other work that we need to do back home, but yep, you know, yep, we're yep. thinking about that too. Sweet. All right. So uh, let's start with some news. Uh, first of all, Ukulele is getting a boxed release. Did you know about that? Oh, wow, no, yeah, I didn't. So Ukulele is the... Why don't you explain to folks, what is ukulele exactly? Ukulele is the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie. Well, it's from team members who worked on it. You know, the musician. One of the most memorable things about the game in my book was that awesome soundtrack and the crazy sound effects. Um, but, you know, I love the BK games, the original Rare titles. And this is kind of like a, you know, reboot of that kind of mascot, mascot like lethal weapon team-up uh, platformer. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, so he didn't even wink at, he didn't even like flinch at the lethal weapon thing. No, I I, I didn't because I get what you're it's, going it's for. It's a although, buddy comedy. Although, although Conquer took it the complete other way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but I agree with you. Uh, and th that is a charming sort of character. The mascot-driven platformer has definitely changed in a lot of ways. And it's nice to see something like this getting a, getting a comeback. So Platonic is the name of the developer. Yep. They said, do we have plans for a box release? Today we can confirm the answer is yes. However, uh, they, have not, they don't have the full details yet on what the physical version will include. Uh, but Kickstarter backers can upgrade their pledge to get a box copy. Huh. So if you're someone who backed this game on Kickstarter and you're excited about it, you can change from digital to physical and be able to basically get uh, your your box copy of the game. Box copy still matters to a lot of people. It's actually a lot of boxes on this desk right now if you're watching the video version, and we're going to talk about that uh, a little later in the show. I love boxes. I, I really I do. do. At the same time, yeah. like I'm, I'm out of room, but there's just something special about it, right? And like <laughs> when you have you brought back this from Japan, I see here the uh. the uh, one of my favorite box art designs uh, from the N64 era, the Ocarina of Time Japanese version. Mm -hmm. It just looks so awesome and classy, and like yeah, yeah. you know, it falls apart because it's cardboard, but at the same time, it's just this cool kind of. No, I, I miss boxes Relic. too. Yeah, I, I so it's weird because part of me really misses boxes, but part of me doesn't, and I, I still the feel part like of you that boots up a console and can just pick a game to play. Yeah, right? but even then, you run out of hard drive space. Yeah. Like to, at least with today's games, you know, being the gargantuan size that you know HD games and God, one day we're going to be talking about 4K games. Yeah take up like you still run into s space constraints for for whatever's worth but it isn't physical it's just on your hard drive um my issue is i'm i'm he of the many consoles in the house and like yeah i can sign many into consoles yes i can sign into the other <laughs> machines but when my son wants to play like far cry far cry primal if it's if it's installed on my account, I can't I can't play Forza while he does that upstairs, yeah. right? And so I like to still get a lot of games physical, except uh, in physical uh, form, except for some of the yeah, and you I, know, like Pac-Man Championship. I still miss that. manuals. Like that's another thing that I'm still yeah, kind well, of sad, long sad gone, for. Right? And like uh, no, but I think about it with music, and part of me 
didn't care for the longest time, but then what did we stop getting the minute we started buying MP3s? We stopped getting the lyrics. You had to look them up, yeah. essentially. You usually got them as part of the insert, and you were able to look through them. You know, get get more of the poetry behind, like some of it, in case you didn't catch it with your ear, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, they, so w- there that. was something cool, like when you had a nice vinyl co- collection too. Like you know, I, I bought some vinyl recently. There was an awesome release of the Star Wars uh, music mm-hmm. from the last Star Wars movie, and the vinyl, the the record had a hologram on it off the one. It was two two disc set one with a TIE fighter and one with a Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. So when it's on your turntable spinning, you can see this turning spaceship on, on the vinyl reflect. Oh, it's, how cool dope. is that? That's and dope. so like, yeah, I, I like love that. that about physical media whenever they did something special. Remember the old EA games mm-hmm. before consoles came in these big boxes and they had like signatures printed from yeah, the yeah, developers yeah. and these really kind of clever manuals. And it's like... It's such a bummer that's gone. And like you brought this in, um, yep. you know, for for those of you listening, it's uh, this is made in Wario. Mawaru made in wa- Wario. That's the uh, what is it? Twisted. Yeah, this is WarioWare Twisted. Yeah. But in Japan, the Game Boy Advance box for this game specifically was very different than your average Game Boy Advance cartridge. Usually, uh, the box was a very thin sort of cardboard box. Uh, this one, it's almost shipped like a like a DIY, like almost like a project. Like you don't even know. Like it's it's double the size. It's double the width, I think, of what a normal Game Boy Advance box would be. But uh, it has the cartridge in it with the tilt sensor because if you played Wario or Twisted, yeah. you know that it's all about that. And it's just that zaniness. Like I also and it's like three color. It's yeah. like it looks so different on your shelf or on it a does. game shelf. It does. And then manuals for the Wario games. I forget if this one had it. They it had should. stickers with them. Yeah, yeah. You could I put the stickers in it. the manual in different places oh, and stuff. No, like Rhythm Heaven had stickers too, and yeah. that's the same developer. Uh, uh-huh. in, in it was uh, what's his name? Um, let me move forward. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to move on, but I hear you. Like the the box you shouldn't have brought this in i could talk about this for hours no and you should like i feel like this is part of the the culture of video games and the history of games uh that's going away and sometimes actually to be on the stay on topic of that uh is even something like this so this is a pocket monster uh basically the pocket monster trainer uh but pocket monsters in japan was pokemon green and as part of the 20th anniversary deal in japan they recreated exactly the box to the original games obviously it's for nintendo 3ds and they made sure the art reflected that but japan has this awesome trend of even though you're purchasing a digital code and this is a special case they don't do this often you're getting uh the physical code you're getting a map you're getting uh i think it has a manual the cartridge uh is the same shape and size only it's a refrigerator magnet now which i think is awesome how cool is Um, that and then it has the download code for the game in it now i haven't opened this but i did buy the uh pokemon green version if if, if you're uh, confused if you're yeah. confused, Japan got green, right? Like blue and red never came out. That's right. Well, in the blue US came originally. in 1999. I uh, think it finally hit Japan. It was late yep. 90s, but the original games were released in 96, I believe. And it was green versus red. It yeah. wasn't blue versus red. Uh, blue and red were for North America. But eventually, Japan got blue. And they did have a cartridge for blue. They had one for yellow as well. Yellow was a black and white Game Boy game in Japan. It was not a Game Boy Color game. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. That's a, yeah. that's a fun uh, little... Uh, Pokemon fact. Um, but yeah, this is stuff that even done right, like in an anniversary sort of style, um, to me, like is, is a cool way to just sort of harken back that era because I miss this stuff. Like I know it takes up space and I get it and 
Lord knows I don't have space for all of this stuff. So now I'm starting to bring it to work and putting it inside of like our cabinets and things like that, just like you've done over the years. Seriously, um, EA for their for their next anniversary, they gotta release these classic games. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for modern consoles. Maybe they even uh, or their download codes for each console that that yeah. you could get and like have the original boxes. This yeah. stuff was so cool. Yeah, it's interesting that. Uh, and sorry, just to stay on this topic for a little bit, it's interesting that game publishers. You know, take Nintendo, for example, and take a series like Zelda that has so much history. There isn't sort of an all-in-one included, like, CD release of everything. You know, like, Kojima got that on the last Metal Gear before the breakup happened. There was the Legacy Collection, and it had every chapter that you could possibly play uh, on a PS3, I believe. Yeah, it was PS3, Um, which was basically almost all of them i mean for for better or for worse and it it you know the the packaging could have been a little better but regardless it's just this massive collection of games um yeah i mean imagine a zelda box like set an anthology with like everything, box with set, everything yeah. in it everything <sighs> stop it <sighs> Stop right. it. <laughs> what else you got? <laughs> All right. Well, another game that has a package, uh, and it was announced from the minute it was kickstarted. That's the other relationship that it has to ukulele is Bloodstained. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which is uh, Iga of Castlevania Symphony of the Night fame. Uh, this is his new Metroidvania game. Uh, oh, big success. Over $5 million dollars in the Kickstarter. Yeah, when 5. it launched, 5. it, was, it yeah. was the biggest Kickstarter. It got surpassed by Shenmue, of course. Yeah, it passed, um, yeah, passed everyone yeah, yeah, until, so. until Shenmue came along. Um, so they now have a publisher. 505 Games has agreed to publish yeah. uh, the, the you know, spiritual successor to Castlevania that Iga's working on. Now, Iga had the unfortunate job of pushing that game back in early September. It's now a 2018 release, um, which, of course, is it's unfortunate. You know, and we talked to him a little bit about it. There's an interview on IGN about what happened and why he feels that game needs more time. Um, and he made an interesting point in the... Uh, in our interview where he said, you know, here's the thing, right? Like we, we accept um, stretch goals. We try everything to give the consumer what they want. And so we can modify the content, but we're not allowed to modify the deadline. Like for when a game is due, he's like, like that just doesn't seem realistic. Um, or it seems kind of like a broken system. And so, you know, they hit a wall where they just wanted to push it and make it better. And I, I agree with that. Like, I'm with that. I just hope that they don't go the Mighty Number 9 route where it was delay, 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 and then the final product was not yeah, good. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a high tolerance for, for delays, I'd say, because... Um, Work in this business. Because, I, I mean, you do know that the added time is not spent twiddling their thumbs, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're working on this... Uh, they're working on this game and it is by definition going to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the issue comes in when a team can't predict. Like, take The Last Guardian. They cannot... They cannot commit to a date and they keep on tinkering. And you don't know if it's ever, if, if it's even going to be alive in the end, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's kind of the sign of a, of a production running into trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, with Kickstarters, it's more serious because you paid for something. Yeah. You're basically making a, a, a loan, yeah, yeah. Um, an interest-free You're loan to someone. It. Like, a Kickstarter, to some extent, is, a, is the longest pre-order possible. But even more so, me. the money doesn't go to the retailer or, or stays on your card until it ships. You're yeah. giving somebody the money to create it. Right, yep. and so you do have a little bit more ownership, I'd say, yep. in the product, and so that that's where I think the pushback comes from from people saying, "No, we do have a stake in this, mm-hmm. and like it's on you as the developer to give us a realistic deadline and when it's going to be yep. out." Because maybe I wouldn't have backed it then, yep. but come on, really, like if you're excited about another 2D Castlevania, are you gonna? 
really draw the line at six months earlier or later? I, I don't think so. Right? No, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, and ultimately, so this brings into question what's going to happen to the Wii U port of that game because that was a stretch goal that Ooh, fans yeah. raised enough money to meet. Um, <laughs> and, and he even talked about like stretch calls, you know, the... the the importance of being realistic, right? Of talking to your team and saying, hey, is this within the right price and the right budget and the right timing for us to be able to pull this off? Um, but pushing that game to 2018 means if Ooh. it came out on Wii U, it is the only thing on Wii no, U. No, all Wii U's will have uh, self-destructed by then. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Um, and so that just sets up this, this sort of uh, odd that- scenario where it's like, well, what do we do? And right now he doesn't have the answer. Um, his answer made it sound like anything could pretty much happen, but that they understand the care with which they have to take it with it because people back the game on that promise. Like some folks, that's the skew they're looking forward to. That's the one they want. And, you know, when the when it gets decided, they need to figure that out. Yeah. And they, I mean, they maybe they'll add an NX skew or something and say, hey, it. if you got it on Wii U, we can transfer you to that to people who switch. Uh, I, I wonder how big the audiences of people who kickstart games, you know, have the income to do that, but don't also upgrade their consoles and keep moving with the times. Like, mm. I find it hard to believe that there will be a lot of people in 2018 still only have the Wii U. I think there's as a, a Vita skew too, which yeah. uh, that's another example. But I'm sure Japan will keep Vita going for till 2018, Vita, like, like no problem. To me, like the Vita is not one of those platforms that you like trade away. But I could see people parting ways with the Wii U to finance mm. NX. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Like yeah. I, I sympathize with people who are looking forward to the game yep. um, and want Same. it on that platform they already own. Absolutely. Um, but, man, that kind of stuff happens. Well, 505, uh, background for folks, also published games more recently as Abzu, uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, and Payday 2. Payday 2 being a big hit on uh, PC, to my I really liked Abzu. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, I thought Abzu was cool yeah. as well. And Brothers was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Swimming with whales. Swimming with whales. Uh, so it is the first week of October is almost in the books. And you know what? What? NES Classic Edition is still not available for pre-order. Hold on. I pre-ordered it. Oh, no. I pre-ordered the one from Japan. We're going to talk about that in a second. Oh, you did get one? Yeah. I pre-ordered right. it from... A, I was able to order a Japanese console from Amazon Japan. Nice. And get it shipped to the U.S., but I could not pre-order the U.S. one. <laughs> what's what's going on? Um, I bring it up because, yes, the Famicom Mini was announced for Japan. Now, when the NES Classic Edition was announced, it was only U.S. and Europe. Folks were wondering what would happen with Japan. With Japan, it obviously made sense. It would model the Famicom. It does. It's the same thing. It, the c- controllers are wired e- in. No, itty-bitty controllers, man. Itty-bitty, itty-bitty. They're itty bitty. Tiny, yeah, they because are they small. never released them as separate, like, pluggable ones, maybe? <sighs> I think it's just... I don't know. I didn't check. Staying but... true to how the Famicom worked. They were <sighs> wired to the system. It is weird. A friend of mine was really upset that the controllers are hardwired. He was just like, Why? I do not like that. Uh, hopefully, the cord's a little longer than they are uh, in the U.S. Um, I'm not entirely sure if it, if it is or See, is Jose, not. I, I herald from a time where controllers were wired in, and then one of them would break. Oh, talk about oh, that. Wait, when did that happen? It was terrible. Like, I, you know, I had, remember, I was playing games with my brothers, both of whom are older. Uh-huh. Um, we were playing Fairchild Channel F, uh, okay. Atari, you know, mm-hmm. back in the days, 2600. Sure, sure. 2600, you could remove them and could buy more. But I think the Fairchild Channel F, which the German w- version was called Zaba Teleplay, uh, yeah. it, was, it was wired in. And Jeez. so, like, 
they also have really complicated controls where you could like you hold them like a gun almost yep, and yep, you yep. twist you can twist and move yep. the top and okay. the twisting function would always break and so and then you I guess shoot, you bring up right? a good point right like if it broke you're in trouble I yeah. I, I have not had a, a case where a controller has broken on me like that but I can only imagine uh, my like, PS4 controller broke yeah, yeah the, but, the hinge on the the common problem with the, yeah. the, the, the shoulder button. Hopefully Nintendo customer but, service in Japan is as polite as it is in North America yeah. when something's not right, but we'll see. Um, but uh, I even admire that down to that the wire comes out of the side of the controller. The original Famicom right. family computer controllers, the wire did not originate from the top of the controller the way you saw in the United States. It came out of the left or right side, depending on which player you were. Second player did not have a start and select button. They had a microphone there instead, if I remember right. Um, or maybe they did have a start and select. I can't quite remember that. But the microphone, I do remember clear as day. It's on the controller, but doesn't seem to be active. That was how you killed uh, Paul's voice. Paul's in, voice. Uh, in the, in ah. the Famicom. So that's the other thing. You're getting the Famicom disc system editions of Zelda, yeah. Zelda 2, Metroid, Castlevania. Those were all Famicom versions. Ah. Uh, so that's but cool. So they're, they're the disc system versions. They are. So they, they have the better audio and they everything. They have the, the extra audio channel Ooh. and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. Now I'm super happy. Yeah, that you I should be. It. I didn't. I could I didn't not order. It. it does not come with an AC. Come with an AC adapter. Though. Yeah. Well, at least so you don't I need to buy a second controller. So I didn't order that. Yeah, that's right. I <laughs> oh, didn't it order come a plug? No. What and those were all sold out. Excuse so in typical me? Nintendo fashion, you could not pre-order the power to power your console. <laughs> oh. But I'm hoping it's the same as the NES <sighs> Classic, so I can use it that. Better, yeah. If it is, if not, you're, you're in luck. Yeah. Big tears. Yeah. But at G- least GM the, size. At least, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least the cables come out on the sides. <laughs> but I love that. No, I love that nostalgia play. No, right? totally, like everybody yeah. in Japan, uh, my age, and you know, people younger, remember the Famicom fondly and, and fondly, and for those little quirks. Yeah. You know, it's cool. Let us right. pre-order, please, Nintendo. Yeah, the, please. Let, just a moment. Just to stare at the camera. Please, big badaboom. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, games included on the system Donkey Kong, Pac Man, Excite Bite, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber, Galaga, which I don't think we got on the oh, uh, yeah. N- uh, NES Classic, uh, Yi R Kung Fu, which is a different version of Kung Fu, not the one that we know in the West, but still uh, a version, a uh, similar action game. Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda, Atlantis No Nazo, uh, Gradius, uh, Ghosts and Goblins, uh, the game that is called Ghosts and Goblins in the U.S. is not called that over there. Solomon's Key, which thank God we didn't get because that game is confusing. Makai Muro or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makai Village. Good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metroid Castlevania, Zelda 2 Adventures of Link, Bumping Sumo. Uh, that game is actually really fun to look at. Jared <laughs> loves that game. Uh, I don't think that's the exact translation of the name, but it might be. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, Ninja Gaiden, Mega Man 2, River City Ransom, they got uh, oh, Kunio Kun. Yeah, they got Kunio Kun, and that game's uh, the River City Ransom's fun. Double Dragon 2 The Revenge, Super Contra, uh, or Super C, Final Fantasy 3, which never came out in the US as Final Fantasy 3 on the oh, NES. Yeah, right. We got Final Fantasy 3 on the Super Nintendo, which was Final Fantasy wow, 6. That's a meaty game for a collection, too. Oh, yeah, and yeah. it's the first time they did the job system, although it wasn't as good as the later implementation Four, yeah. in, uh, in five. five. Five's job system is one of the best. You hear me? Uh, Dr. Mario, Downtown Neketsu March, so I'm not saying that. Mario Open Golf, Super Mario USA, otherwise known as Super Mario yep. Brothers 2 from the US. And Kirby's Adventure. <sighs> All right. 
That's all of them. Yeah, it's a good list. You didn't pre-order? You didn't order? I I want one, but it wasn't one of those things that I thought, well, I have to drop everything and make sure. I, like, I, I want to get the NES Classic. I mean, we're getting one in the office, but I want one for myself, you know. Um, and so I'm waiting for that pre-order instead. All right. That, to me, is, is the bigger deal. Uh, so... This morning, uh, this comes from the official Japanese website. This is just a side note for folks. Pokemon Sun and Moon, which is coming out on November 18th, uh, will be twice, roughly twice the file size of your X and Y Pokemon game that's probably on your 3DS right now. 3.2 gigabytes for that game, which is, which is meaty. It is big. Make some space. Getting closer and closer to NX game sizes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, what do you think that means? Just more kind of cutscenes and orchestrated music, or do you think it's just the the better like graphics? Uh, you know, more data stored for graphics in Pokemon and all that kind of. From thing? From what we've seen up to this point, it seems like a mix of both. It seems like a mix of features and ideas. I mean, there's a Pokemon Snap type mode in this thing, oh, yeah. plus like you know the ability to pet your Pokemon, plus you know all of the other suites of features plus the campaign plus like i don't even know what how much space this rotom takes that's going to be telling you like where to go on the bottom screen things like that um i think it's a little it's a mix of both i this game will be interesting to finally talk about when we get to um because we may have seen it and we can't say anything until next week that's terrible yeah, you I know, but I got to do that. Like that. I got to I got to do it like that. Uh, yeah, I'm taking one of your toys. You hear more <laughs> Well, you'll hear more about it next week, but the the double the file size has nothing to do with what I may or may not know about that game. Cool. I'm taking the the Game Boy Color Zelda DS. No, absolutely mm-hmm. not. That thing is that thing is cool. I found that store. Uh, last quick thing for news and preview and just like, hey, before we get into preview previews, uh, is that uh, there's a new set of Zelda Figma figures coming from Good Smile, and they're based on Twilight Princess. Have you seen them? I saw a picture. You, see, you saw them on yeah, the site. I did. They look oh, really, yeah. really good, and you can find a story about it on the site. Like, oh man, like the the amount of detail. Uh, on them is out of control. There's actually a bundle uh, where you can get uh, there's a three figuring set which includes Link, Zelda, and a DX version of Link with extra accessories. I the, believe is what's called. The, um, the the weapons look really cool too. Yep, yep, yep. Right. Yeah, if you know your your. Fr- oh no, go ahead. So please. no, and Zelda Zelda has her bow and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very pretty pretty yeah. design. It's off the hook. So uh, the prices on these figures start at five thousand five hundred. So it's about fifty dollars US. Yeah, five thousand five hundred oh. yen. Um, and uh, the base link that includes also the base link, but they've got some really cool stuff. Uh, yeah, every little detail you can think of is on these things, which is really cool. Um, Paris just so checking out photos. Uh, you can find, you can see photos on the site. They're really, really good looking. So we should talk about games. There's a couple games coming out uh, this either this week or in the near future. Um, but one that we should spend a lot of time on, and I feel like uh, I should warn folks up front, we're going to try and not spoil things for you, but we are going to reference some jokes. So uh, if you <laughs> feel like jokes are spoilers, I guess you should stop listening to the rest of the show uh, because we're going we're gonna to talk about it. But well, Paper Mario about Color the early Splash. stuff, right? Yeah, not, we're Mar- not going to get too deep. We're not going to get too deep, but Paper Mario Act Color one. Splash is out uh, by the time you're listening to this uh, on Wii U. Um, and this is the first Paper Mario game in a while, I think, since Sticker, Sticker Star, unless you count Paper Jam as right. partially Paper Mario. But, I mean, it only really starred Paper Mario. Uh, the yeah. rest was a Mario and Luigi RPG. And, and even then, there's this kind of, they, they all have the Paper Mario title, but there, there are these nuances where we went from 
uh, we once got a full-fledged RPG, right, mm-hmm. with deep RPG systems. And this is definitely kind of, it's not not like Sticker Star, no. but it's also not like Thousand Year Door. That's right. You know, yeah. we're not completely back to that kind of setup. Yeah, if anything, uh, it is a reminder that uh, Paper Mario, possibly, this is how Nintendo looks at Paper Mario. I mean, this dawned on me playing the game. Paper Mario is more an aesthetic choice and not necessarily an RPG. Yeah. Um, and you can tell from the jokes, from the humor, from the graphic style and how they try to take advantage of, oh, these these guys are made of paper. So, of course, if you're in a battle scene that takes place at a windy location, you see them like fluttering <laughs> like in the, in the wind. You see the paper like waving back and forth a lot versus if you're in an area where that doesn't happen. There are little nods like that that even uh, in battles, they take advantage of like showing you that. Or if like a, an enemy gets soggy with water in this world, which is, must be terrifying to yeah. everyone, by the way, um, you'll see that their, their, their color is desaturated and they look like they're a mess. They almost look like they're melting. Like it's oh, actually kind of... Have you seen the shy guys that yes, like get wet at certain points? Oh. And you're like, ooh, like I'm that, so look. Sorry. I went from being very angry at the spy guys because they're super creepy and sucking away paint with straws. <laughs> well, it's really weird. It is, and it, it is to, undercut. To feeling by, bad uh, for them. Yeah, it's well, it's yeah. undercut by like a psycho, like like the violin. <laughs> it has like this deliberately scary music, and it's this cute little guy going. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, they call him the introverted assassin. Yeah, a couple times. They have a, this game has a really great sense of humor, mm-hmm. and and for that alone, I wouldn't miss it. Yeah, um, I I really liked it. Our reviewer liked it too. Gave yeah. it a, a good rating. Yep, yep. Um, but also 3. said it's not back to the kind of the really funny, interesting scenario writing you got in Thousand Year Door, yep, right? Yep, like yep. the and and she she talked about story, and some people scoff at that notion, saying, "Why do you have a story in a Mario game?" There is there was a story in the Paper Mario games that. It wasn't about like dazzling, dazzling you with a, the most unique setup, but it was funny. It was like these weird situations yeah. and a great sense of comedy, and you were working towards something. Yep. And the series lost a little bit of that. That said, the humor, I do think some of the humor makes up for that, and it no. keeps it interesting. You want to keep playing. When every character feels like, uh, or at least the characters you meet, have an additional line of dialogue that just kind of, even if they're trying to be straightforward with the thing they're telling you, they sort of pair it next to something that makes it a funnier, funnier example. Yeah. So here's here's uh, here's you know some some example. It's like you know s- someone is getting the paint sucked off of me. It's like take these, remember me fondly. As he's like as the as the uh, you know the introverted assassin strikes. Or then there's Huey, which is this can of paint that follows you around and who is quite sassy. Um, and Huey, get it? Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Uh, there's there's a lot of really good... I mean, the, the minute you meet him, uh, he says something like, the paint that you just soaked up is my blood, sweat, and tears. You'll have time to shower later. <laughs> and it's just there, like... There are a lot of like little non-sequitur kind of yeah. weird sentences. Like, you free these these uh, toads. They're all like... Uh, they're like in a house. Oh, I love that up, one. And a whole bunch of toads come out, like lots of them. And then the last guy said, like, man, there were so many. It was weird or yes, something. It's yes. Like, yeah. No, it, it was, it, things got weird. No, there was a, so the line was, I actually wrote it down because I thought it was hilarious. So he says, it got pretty awkward and I'm probably going to move to a new town. That's right. Anyway, thanks for saving us. And you're just like, that's so funny. Um, and there's, there's just a lot of that where like you show up, you're the hero, you, you make someone's day. And then in that moment, they give you this extra bit of information where you're like, oh, that's cute. Um, and you're right. Paper Mario never set off to like you know kill Aerith in the middle of the adventure right. or like Spoilers. make you weep or make you you know like sort of 
go that extra like drama route it was always like these sort of cute like safe adventures for the most part yeah and like weird scenes like i was telling somebody on twitter about this remember the scene with peach and the computer and the computer was in love with peach and it had this whole weird side story or like mario as the wrestler there were all these like crazy stories that i like they were unique because you didn't expect them to happen. Like, you were just expecting, I stole Peach, and yeah, I'm going to yeah, rescue yeah. her, and, like, that's it. Yeah. And there was so much more to those games. And there is there is that kind of spark in this game once in a while, but yeah. uh, from what I've seen so far, um, you know, and heard from, obviously, Terry, who reviewed yeah, yeah. it, it doesn't quite get back to that. Yeah, no, and, and there is sort of that, uh, yeah, they, they make up for it with that part. The last one I'll mention is that you meet a toad who's in a boat, a blue toad who's in a boat who's going to sail off to find his destiny at the edge of the world and he's surrounded by red toads making fun of him for it saying this sounds like a midlife crisis you should just buy the car and not do this <laughs> and they all just like, like alright goodbye loser and so it's, it's, it's just that kind of idea of um, having fun with that instead of like the scenario driven stuff that Thousand Year Door did now I do think though that you know, folks are going to continue to wait for a 2000 year door to happen someday and you know maybe one day Nintendo kind of comes around to that um, they've made it clear that Mario RPG is the, is the RPG series. Otherwise, otherwise, the one we know is Mario and Luigi, yeah. um, which is unfortunate, you know, because that series feels like it it, ca- it could use a break. Um, there hasn't been enough difference, I feel, between each each new chapter. Like Bowser's Inside Story, to me, felt like the last really smart one, just based on the scenario design alone. Yeah, um, the rest is just Foreign Kingdom, new new partner, weird scenario, and. I don't know. Sometimes that works, but for whatever reason, the last two it didn't seem to blow the doors off of anyone. Yeah, so. and I and I understand that Nintendo obviously wants to give um, wants to have variety in their in their lineup, which is it's a small lineup, very focused, mostly made by by them, yeah. right? And so they they want their racing game with Mario Kart. They want Pikmin to be something else, right? Mm-hmm. They want Zelda to be something else. So it makes sense that they don't want to double up. But I felt like. You know, I felt like the Mario and Luigi series felt so different. Like that two-player setup to mm. the kind of very different sense of humor to yeah. Paper Mario. Like I think they could coexist, and I wouldn't mind a little bit more of a of a choice system in Paper Mario again, well, where agree, like yeah. you know you build out certain things. And no, and I, I I agree with you, and I especially like the idea that a Thousand Year Door really nailed, which was that. The entire story was almost like a stage play. Yeah. Like the entire the battle system, every time you had a crowd of people in front of you, and it was a way to tell if you were doing well, if you're doing poorly, or if there was an enemy hiding in the audience ready to jump on stage and yeah. kind of steal your thunder. And you had to be aware of all those variables. And I think that's the thing that, you know, whether or not they go back to the RPG, it'd be nice to have the RPG for sure. But that's the kind of stuff I want again. Like that stuff. That that idea of like finding these outside elements to kind of mess with you. And we're going to talk about the battle system next because yeah. that, that's, a, that's a part that I feel you and I are a little split on. But um, it's one that, for the most part, they decide to go with. So the big fear going into Color Splash was, is the Sticker Star 2? Now, some folks uh, didn't mind Sticker Star's sort of a sticker-based setup, but it did take away... The, it took away a lot of the RPG mechanics, clearly, which was already upsetting to some folks. But then it, it did devalue battles because it felt like, well, if I don't battle anything, I'm not wasting anything. So then I'm not worried about anything. I just got to run to the next boss because yeah. realistically, all I need is a thing sticker to worry about that guy. Um, and so this time around, they went with a, a system where you're coloring in cards 
before you're able to deploy them. You have the ability to choose how much color you want to waste on them. You have three bars that govern how much paint you have. So I believe it's red, yellow, and blue. Mm -hmm. um, and if you have a, a standard boot card, um, and there are different sort of types of cards. So there's a raggedy boot, there's a regular boot, and there's like a super mecha boot yep. kind of deal. And you can color in the card part way. Basically, the amount you color... Um, is shown through effectiveness of the attack. Yeah. So you're basically packing up the the ability and then and you have a choice, right? Like if yeah. you have a wimpy opponent, you don't you don't have yeah. to. You waste don't even your have to color, color it, right? In. Yeah. And so you just you just send it off. Yeah. I think the place that you mentioned where we split on is the the mechanics for the battles. Like yeah. the part I love about the Paper Mario series, and this really opened my eyes back in the days when the the series first arrived. Right, we had all these kind of like uh, turn-based or semi-turn-based battle systems where you essentially you're picking from a menu, you're hitting a button, then you're waiting for the move to execute. And then Square had already played with some kind of systems where there were some time button presses in some of their games, That's right? right? Yeah. Which I thought made that much less routine. Yep. And so then Paper Mario came and said, "You guess what? If you pay attention, you hit the jump button before you jump on a Goomba, you're gonna get another jump and another jump, or you mm -hmm. pull back the stick to hit them with a hammer. Yeah, and if you hit and, it at the peak, you'll get a really strong attack. And I think that's really cool like it makes you much more involved in what would otherwise be just a menu driven battle and so they, this that feature returns in this game of course i like it yeah. it's simpler with a hammer than it used to be um but but it's still it simpler with the jump than it used to be too like yeah. you almost had to wait till the second before you hit the enemy now it just has to be somewhere between when you jump and when you when you fall it's it's um, more family friendly it's forgiving for sure. yeah. yeah yeah but uh i i guess where we are split is that um, the cards that you view are shown on the gamepad. Mm -hmm. And of course, you can play in off-TV mode and have everything happen on the gamepad. And there are three control schemes that you can choose to kind of sift through. They don't really make a, do a great job of telling you that you could actually swap between. So the default controls are you have to tap basically fake buttons on the gamepad that will appear on the touchscreen. And you'll say, okay, yes, I want to prep that card. Here, I'm going to color it in. Now the card's ready. And then you flick to send it out. Yep. You can reduce that to buttons and touch uh, so you'll be able to do it all through buttons. You actually just flick up on the control stick if you want to send the cards out, little yep. things like that, or accept something. Um, and then the final one is... Uh, advanced, right? Advanced, yeah. which removes a step. Basically removes one step of uh, sort of confirmation. So you pick the card you want, you place that card, and then in that one turn, you fill that card with paint, and then you say, card's ready, and you flick. So tell me, have you ever felt the need to have that extra step? That's what's so confounding to me. It's like the I when I discovered the advanced control sure. setup, which by the way I discovered because I said, really, like it's gonna be this for every battle. For I gotta battle. do and 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 touch the color and then say okay and flick, right? Sure. Like, do I have to do that for every battle? Um, I'm like, it's, it's got to get easier. And sure. so then I looked in the settings and I found advanced, and it does take out the one, the step. middle step. Yeah. So I don't. I will admit it is not something that. I feel like it changes the extra step in battle. So it's a, sort of a prep phase where you're basically mm -hmm. determining, hey, how much color am I going to put in this and how effective do I want these attacks to be? I think the system on its merit is a smart one. I just think the game itself doesn't challenge you in any way to be wary and mindful of it. Yeah. I think that's the core issue. I don't mind so much that I'm sifting through cards on the gamepad because I can sort them. I could do a whole bunch of things. Later on in the game, apparently Kamek comes out and actually wreaks havoc on your cards so you won't mm -hmm. see like they'll all get turned upside down you right. can't tell which one you're using there are, there are ideas like that that I think are smart um, maybe I mean I've heard they frustrate some folks and I haven't gotten that far um, but I will say that I just wish there was a little more to 
color and leverage and whether or not that pays off or not. Like if there's a risk reward to it. Right now it just yeah. feels like you're kind of going through the motions. That, and I feel like because, that's where it becomes dull. And well, I that's think that's the problem. There are a lot of enemies in the field. And maybe it's less of an issue if you don't fight that many and just constantly run. But I want to get more cards again. and I want to yeah. defeat enemies, right? And so when then you face a lot of kind of very simple enemies, mm-hmm. you know, like like two shy guys. And you're mm-hmm. like, I don't need to pick any special card to f- defeat these shy guys. It's pretty damn easy, yeah. right? And so when, when something becomes an action that you repeat, I wish there was a macro. Yeah. Where it's like maybe on the screen it had, oh, did you know that if you have a simple enemy and you just want to always jump on them and not color the card, yeah. just hit this button. Like that's what I was hoping for. Sure. But the game still requires you to do all the selection stuff. To grant it, it gets pretty quick, See, right? Might, like you get yeah. used to it and you, you do it very quickly. But it's not a fun action to flick no, for me. No, same. Because, it, again, it's part of a prep phase. What I think uh, could have should have been considered and maybe this is heresy to Paper Mario fans everywhere, so do not, like, don't, d- hang on to your headphones, because they're going to pop out. Oh, God. But, no, I just think, well, maybe if this was the mechanic you wanted to settle on, this battle prep phase, take out the real-time stuff after. Come up with something else that used the gamepad. Yeah. I know that's something that folks like. I like it, for Should've example. Should have kept the water and done a spit take. But, okay, but, yeah, right, no, or just spit <laughs> it, like, straight at me, and I'll be like... So they just wire, no. my windshield wipers will turn on. No, but the reason I say that is because I like the the real time mechanics of battle and, and Paper Mario. I love but that let's part. face it, it's a perfect run for the first two hours. Like there's not a single thing that you'll make a mistake on. It just feels like you're gathering all these extra coins. Our age that, group, I think, but I yeah, think younger players group. will will struggle a little. But here's bit more, the thing: yeah. I think younger players would, would may be a bit more fascinated with painting in those cards all than right, than fine. we are. There's that trade off, right? All so. Right. I feel like it, it's... You used my power against me. I did. Damn. I feel like it's the symptom of, like, you know, us being older gamers, them being younger gamers. But then again, I don't know how long it would keep them entertained. You should put this in front of your kids and see what happens and, like, report back with findings because I'm just really curious if they care as much. Like, maybe your youngest would, would kind of get He's too cool for it. that stuff already, but my daughter plays it and she likes it. She, she hasn't. She has not complained about it. And yeah. I actually asked her, "I'm like, what? Do you think it's a pain in the ass?" She's like, "No." I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine. Okay, got it, got it. Meanwhile, if he asked me, "Do you think this is a pain in the in the rear?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Well, let me tell you." <laughs> I may have done that. With yeah, me too. may have done uh, it once. Or no, time. but overall, like, I, I don't want I don't want this to detract from the fact that the core game is really fun. And yeah. like, I don't. You you have the kind of OCD element too, where you see discolored spots all over the map. And oh. You, you yeah. hit them with your paint hammer yeah. to, to color them in. And mm-hmm. like you do have to kind of pay attention to what colors you have so that you don't run out. Um, your color bar get, grows. And that is, that is your experience point kind of level up proxy, right? Yeah. Like where classic RPGs have the – you go, when to level up so you get all this more. You do have that element where you're working towards having bigger, you know, more paint. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, and, and, you know, just to go back to sort of on about the graphics, like, this has to be one of the better-looking Wii looks U games so I've seen. Yeah, yeah. It, lo- it looks great. Every little detail, yeah. down to the little corrugated cardboard edges, even on coins when you pick them up, they look like they've been painted over with, like, fancy paint, but it's still... Car- every Cardboard is at the center of everything. I, I love the strings on clouds <clears throat> and things. Yeah. You see in the background, like, just strings. And, or even and when something the breaks, water. it's just, like, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, it just it's folds. like everything that is epic in real life is just is really cheesy deliberately yeah. so in this game yep, yep. yeah no i agree yep. yeah it's got a toilet paper door 
Yeah, yeah, there was that. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I just found myself wanting to paint in everything, and I don't think I've found a bonus associated with that yet. And I think also, and we haven't talked about the world map, but I do think they did a smart thing, sort of like Super Mario World, where when you clear a world, it draws a path to the next place, and that next place is where you're going to go. And it, they sort of contain their chapters by making them courses. But that's also, again, that's also going back to the original Paper Mario Spirit. That's kind of like a downgrade from an open world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a, mm-hmm. like I think a lot of fans are hoping that the game will return to more like this this o- this open world feel, I don't, overworld feel. But, but did you feel. mind the I don't feel actually of mind one? it yeah. in this game. I'm, I'm, I'm having fun with it regardless. And yeah. like, it's not at odds with the Mario formula to have a world map like that so it matches mario um but you know i can see that some people want this kind of bigger sprawling world that Mm -hmm. they can explore um but yeah it doesn't have that but the different areas you access do have a lot of kind of nooks and crannies and things to explore but does do really smart call outs to do other uh mario games like there's even like uh, i just got to this beach resort and there's a flag hanging that has the sunshine sort of uh the shine on it and you're like oh i know that yeah, and some of the other uh, jokes. But still, um, I will say I find them over-relying on toads for the humor. Um, and toads are funny, luckily, though. Yeah, but the, and the dialogue saves them. But I feel like nothing else lives in, in this world except, like, you're just bombarded with different colors of toads. Like, there isn't... They don't have a count you know, black kind of... I think that's the thing that, you know, I don't need... Again, I don't need the RPG per se, but I like that in Thousand Year Door, mm-hmm. you end up on the doorstep of... Uh, some goomers, or am I confusing that with the first Paper Mario? I think it's the first Paper Mario. You end up basically at you know, at a Goomba's home talking Mm -hmm. to different Goombas and you end up with a Goomba assistant. And there are things like that where I'm just like, okay, those were really smart ideas. That was a cool way to flesh out a universe versus you're drawing this line between good and evil, even though you do have Shy Guy uh, assistants. There's a Shy Guy card, there's a Koopa card, and you can call them in as assistants to help you as well. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I, I I still think it works. Uh, and there's I like lack of variety wasn't my issue for kind of like so far for gameplay and like mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know I want I want some more funny kind of scenario stuff happening. Yeah, yeah. To, instead to of just in the, the, the yeah. side humor. Yeah. No, I hear you. I yeah. hear you. All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, let's open up the question block. Oh, we haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah. Nice. All, right. All right. We'll be right back. Jose Otero here with Per Schneider, and we're going to open up the question block. So the question block is, of course, uh, emailed questions from our lovely audience. You can email us at mvc at IGN.com. Our first email, which is one of our recent emails, but I found this question interesting, comes from Brian Patterson, who says, Hey, love the podcast, long-time gamer on all major consoles and handhelds, but nothing beats the thrill and high quality to him of a Nintendo game. I would say a lot of things have that quality, but we'll keep going. My question is in regards to NX and the possibility of backwards compatibility with Wii U. If the system is cartridge-based, as most assume at this point, then backwards compatibility with any disc game is obviously not likely. Do you see the possibility of a device similar to the Game Boy Player that allowed for GBA games to be played on the big screen via the GameCube? 
and the question goes on to just say, hey, you know, that, that's kind of the thing he wants. Can, could this happen? He really likes Wii U. He really thinks that uh, some folks miss some great games. And he doesn't want to have to basically purchase another system in case his Wii U ever broke on him. Well, look, we don't know what Nintendo will do in the future, right? Like, we wouldn't have ex- expected the Game Boy Player, for example. Yeah, I don't think we would have expected DS games on Wii U, either. And I mean, you never you never know. And you even with Xbox do. One, right? Like, we, we had written off that Xbox 360 games would ever be playable again um, via an update. So you, you never know. My gut says that this is a line in the sand. They, they're changing their, their disc format again. Like... Mm-hmm. And and when we went to um, you know when we went to the GameCube after the N sixty four, it was very clear that you're not going to be able to use the N sixty four games on your GameCube. Um, the there is the wild card nowadays where you could conceivably use a disc and and somehow get credit in the store or or assigned to your your profile, but. I don't. They never designed the system for that, right? Like, I don't think every disc has a unique code that can only be used once. But you know, a company could do that conceivably. Like, every disc game could have a unique code. You put it in the drive, it registered <clears throat> it, it as owned, and then you keep it. Because from a um, from a power perspective, like we, it's possible that the NX could could play Wii U games or Wii games, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just my my thing is I find it unlikely. That's my gut. It's but, I'm ninety five percent sure that no. Yeah, but I will say that you never can quite tell what Nintendo mm. if Nintendo is determined to put something on that platform. I mean, again, would you have been able to call Game Boy Advance games, DS games played on your television on your Wii U at resolutions they were never meant to be shown at? Yeah. I don't think anyone would have said, oh, yeah, that's happening someday. But, but they made but they you buy them again. Yeah, they and, and they made you buy them again. And that's They'll the, do that. That's You'll the get... larger point I want to make. Yeah. I think that if they go back to the well, it's a digital release. It's games like Mario Kart that didn't need the gamepad in the first place. Um, maybe even it's, it's you know, Paper Mario because there is an off-TV mode to this yep. game, which at first I didn't even realize was there because, again, it's kind of embedded in those menus. It's in some of the weirdest spots. But... I think that'll be the play. Like it's either it's coming or it's not, and it's if they feel like they need it. One thing I will say is that during the Wii U era, you felt uh, the there was this push by Nintendo to make Wii U its Nintendo box, where every every platform under the sun except GameCube mm-hmm. was available for purchase yep. in some way. Um, and I don't think that goes away. I don't think NX makes that go makes that go away. I think to them the back catalog is valuable to a certain consumer. It's not valuable to every consumer, yeah. but I think it's them saying, okay, some of the stuff we can put this back out. It just it. I think it always comes down to how much work would it take to do it. Yeah. And clearly, Game Boy Advance games and DS games, I don't think took a ton of work to get done. But I mean, yeah. I don't know that. If anything, I mean, think of the NX as being. From what we've learned, I always have to caveat that, but from we think (laughs) it's going to be one day. Um, I think it's going to be more flexible than most setups, right? Where, like, think about DS games. You could literally turn a widescreen screen um, vertically and have a DS setup where you have a top and a bottom screen on a vertical screen like that. And we don't know exactly how the um, removable controllers can be configured to the system. Like, you could conceivably have something that works as a ds setup mm-hmm. um for these kind of virtual console games so um you know like we'll i see. agree with you i think the virtual console is something that nintendo likes they have this tremendous back catalog that they will sell to everyone again um 
And then, uh, you know, like, I, I think the discs will just have to be replaced with, with digital downloads in the future. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from uh, John Doe. Oh, no. Uh, actually, his Hope name is Eric, but Hope the email okay. says John Doe. Uh, hey, gang, with NX Looming, uh, I would love to know what you guys would pick as your favorite Nintendo controller. He says his pick is the GameCube controller for its intuitive ABXY layout, pressure-sensitive L and R triggers. It also fit well in his hands and felt very comfortable. The only setback, in his opinion, was the ill place Z button. Uh, what's your pick? And he said, thank you for the show. Wavebird. Wavebird. I all love right. the Wavebird, and let's not forget that at one point all controllers were wired, and that felt really special. Mm-hmm. There were some third-party controllers, a lot used IR that w- was a, a terrible way to communicate with a main console. Yeah. But you know the RF setup for the Wavebird was just great, and yeah. it felt awesome. I liked the clicky bumpers. Like I don't think they're necessary anymore now, but it was such a cool idea, especially for like gun games and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the sticks felt great. Um, I did like the buttons that the original GameCube controller introduced, like mm-hmm. that kind of the bean buttons and the big... Yeah, like, yeah, and they were know. around the A button. I yeah. thought that was what made them really cool. Like, and you knew where to find them based on uh, not just shape, but position. Yeah. And they yeah. felt really good. Even though like, B was yeah. a circle. It always felt weird that B was a circle. A B, yeah. most folks, would I think, would have preferred a, another bean. Another bean. <laughs> but it felt like the classic fire button from an arcade machine. Yeah, so yeah. I will never forget the traditional GameCube controller for introducing those in the first place but I gotta say the Wavebird is my favorite well no and the best thing about the Wavebird it was first party it was sanctioned like you always got this rinky dink wireless controller from a third party maker and they were terrible they were so bad and this was the time where third party stuff uh, when it came to hardware was not reliable. I feel like the track record has gotten better, but every once in a while you get your PDP crap that is like, okay, that's not a GameCube controller. That's not a Smash controller. You put that thing away, that's too light and it doesn't feel right. Yeah, the only um, the only bummer with the Wavebird was that the years of colorful controllers were forgotten. We went back to gray, you mm-hmm. know? Like yeah. we had on the N64, I mean, we had banana yellow <laughs> N64 controllers. It, it was awesome though. It and was, like we have was. that now with I Microsoft agree. taking it to the next level where you can configure figure your colors it was a bummer that it went back to gray and kind of stayed there basically yeah yeah, Uh, is that your favorite too i'm torn between the gamecube controller and the super nintendo controller i feel like the super nintendo controller when i first what what, like with your your giant hands were not weren't that big when i was a kid Ah, oh i see (laughs) yeah i was was a smaller human once time has grown what, what hurts your hands like i don't um mario kart Oh. And like I think right here on my on my hand, like where you're holding it, yeah. and you're you're pressing the shoulder button, yeah. and you hold it right there. I do remember some pain from that. And then Ooh. the D-pad, but that can't be. No, the, the NES D-pad was by far the worst. Like you you would split, like you would get little grooves in your fingers. D-pad you thumb, yeah. yeah. Like D-pad our, thumb. I think the shape of our fingers forever sh- uh, changed by those. Yeah, no, they're well era. defined now. Yeah. Uh, as a result, no, I just I as, you know I, I wasn't a huge fan of um, the changes that happened to the Super Nintendo color wise, mm. but I think the smartest thing the North American Super Nintendo did was the concavity on X and Y. The concave buttons, it felt like no, I didn't you even would, know you that would was find a thing. them and notice I never owned them the US like right one. away. Yeah, no, yeah. I would find them and notice them right away. And to me, when I first saw that controller, I will not forget how I felt about it. Where I was like, there's just so many buttons on this thing. What's, what's the story? Really? Yeah, I felt intimidated because I was like, man... 
I miss A and B. Like now it's A, it's B, it's X, it's but Y. You don't remember it's, it's like in, I think it was in television with all the like numbers. We didn't have an in television in my house. Oh, like we had, okay. I told you we had an Atari for a day, and we had a Nintendo. That was a Nintendo Entertainment System. That was it. I can't and a Commodore sixty four with a with a with a with the the Trident. No, no, we just had a, a regular joystick uh, for the most part. Joystick no, no, I mean the button. Nintendo 64 with a Trident. Yeah. 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 Didn't you just say the Nintendo 64? No, I had an NES. Not oh. the tri- no, we didn't have an N64 oh, much I see. later. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, um, but no, just, I don't know, I was intimidated by it. I warmed up to it. I loved it. I felt like each game sort of found what it wanted to do with it. But it, it's a, it, I think it's the controller I spent the most part of my like Fair part enough. of my life with um if not the original playstation i guess is second place i never Maybe. liked it I, ne- I never loved that controller I mean, well i never loved yeah. the d-pad on it but the games were great so I, I didn't mind so much by the way the best controller now yeah. out of all console controllers xbox one elite the pro the professional controller for the xbox one so i think it's so awesome so it's i heavy. like that controller a lot but one thing i don't like on the xbox is that as you go up to the shoulder and triggers yeah. They come in, yeah. and when you got big fingers like mine, they just I, feel like they're getting close to touching again. I, I like the PS4 because it keeps left and right hemispheres away from each other. It Not giant approved. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Next question comes from Daisy, who writes in, Hello, gents. My question, do you think Nintendo will reveal anything big and X-related or otherwise at the Game Awards this year in December, perhaps in a similar manner to when they showed off Zelda back in 2014? Based off your conversation last week, I had my own ideas for NX, uh, Nintendo's NX launch plan. October shareholders meeting where we get a hint. December game awards, concept and basics revealed that way. They are uh, the last bit of news that will carry through the holidays. And then late January, early February, Nintendo Direct, live event, press stream, whatever, just in time for, for launch. Uh, would love to hear what you guys think. So I like this idea, Daisy, but I will say that I don't think Nintendo gives the reveal to the Game Awards. Like as much as I think Nintendo can respect that show, I think they want to own it, and I don't think they want to be part of a night where everyone else shares that stage, even if their announcement is the biggest. The year they gave up Zelda, I feel like, well, what did they really give you? They gave you a Let's Play of Miyamoto and and uh, and Aonuma playfully. You know, playing Zelda, yeah, but they didn't really awesome, reveal though. new features. They didn't really talk about. I know it was know, still anything awesome. specific. Okay, the horse doesn't run into trees was a cool little tidbit, but like, what did you but really maybe, see? No, but maybe you know? that will be the approach this year again. Like, I don't think there'll be a, an, an X unveiling on that. I don't like, think it so either, either. Happens before or afterwards, but I, I think there'll be something there. I think there'll be a celebration of of what makes Nintendo so much fun. That's fine, but yeah. I, I just don't think the NX fits in there at all. Like, I think that they don't give that away. I think they want to own that themselves i yeah. mean they must want to if they've been hanging on to it for this long uh, yeah i don't i don't yeah. think they're planning the reveal for that and remember this is a show that is not broadcast in japanese right and mm-hmm. like they want to have they want to have the announcement between and europe so, japan and and so how nintendo got around that last time is they basically released the video in japan right after it went right. live in america and yeah. it was also just funny because like there was a sort of an address by miyamoto at one point and mm-hmm. do you remember he's holding up the old uh the old 3DS, the old 3DS XL, even though at that same time, Japan had the new 3DS XL. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, 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 or new 3DS. He was like, oh, I'm not touching that thing in, in North America. So everybody lost their minds. Like, oh, yeah, look what we have. <laughs> like, wow. Oh, man. You know That's what funny. I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, anything to add to that, just no, out no, of curiosity? I, no, I mean, look, I, I think Jeff's great. Jeff Keighley's great at I getting yeah. awesome, like, trailers, and it'll be a fun show to watch, I'm sure. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be watching it. But I don't think it'll be the next reveal. Okay. Sadly. So, uh, Alan 
writes in and asks a question about the blue ocean strategy. So I have a question I would love to know more about. I've heard the term blue ocean strategy for more than a few times, but never really know what it truly is. I've heard people say this tactic is used by companies such as Nintendo who don't want copycats of their products, and this is why Nintendo is so secretive with their product. Okay, so we're going to pump the brakes, uh, Alan, in a second, but I'm just going to make sure if any of this changes. Uh, Okay, so he cites, for example, the PlayStation Move and how it was a copycat of the Wii, uh, and he continues. But he wants to know what it is. So first of all, Blue Ocean Strategy is not the copycat product thing at all. It is... It has actually nothing to do with that. That's a separate issue Nintendo has, which is, oh, well, we don't want to show our concept sometimes because we feel that when we get it right, other people will immediately mm-hmm. run out and copy yeah, it, which, co- is ha- which has happened. Copycat products turn a blue ocean into a red ocean. That's, that's what happens, right, mm-hmm. in the business. Blue ocean is when you create something that is unique um, that doesn't have competition, right? Like you're, you're essentially entering an ocean that is not yet full of sharks eating things and turning it red. And in this case, the Blue Ocean strategy on Wii meant they were going after your grandma, your mom, mm-hmm. everyone who could play a game could play a game on yeah. a Nintendo system. And they're basically saying uh, Microsoft and Sony are fighting in the ocean over the same audience and the sharks are going after the prey there and we're going to go to a completely different part of the ocean where that's not happening and have a different device. Now, the irony is that Nintendo does use blue ocean in in cases where the ocean is freaking red, man. Like, they're talking about the handheld market as a, as a blue ocean. It's not. It's not, right? Like the <laughs> iPhone and millions of Android devices are swimming in that ocean. And you can say that, that you're not competing, but you are competing for time and you are competing for, for the same audience. And so that's where it's important to note that, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a matter of perspective mm-hmm. as well. But the Wii absolutely was a blue ocean approach. It was the only machine with these motion controls. And you saw what happened when Sony and Microsoft followed. They took the special away with it, right? Like the connect and and the move um and to be fair sony had the eye toy and some of those experiments before as well that's right, right. yeah um, there were some really smart but, experiments but now suddenly that wasn't a unique selling point anymore for the wii yeah. um and that can that can turn the waters red yeah no for sure and it is basically yeah going after the not typical consumer going after someone else and making sure that uh not every effort is for the hardcore gamer which we've talked about on this show yep. too right like not every nintendo product is necessarily made for the nintendo fan like it is made yeah. for i mean the vitality sensor definitely wasn't going to be for the hardcore nintendo fan although who no. knows what that thing was and but I that was an re- example the, of blue ocean and, but i think the reason why they didn't bring that out is because the wearables market got so crowded too right mm-hmm. like they all these devices now that you can sync with your phone yeah. that tell you how many steps you've taken you know how you're working out and so um, so I think that's why Nintendo said, hey, we're not going to do wearables. We're going to do non-wearables. And, of course, there is a wearable. It's the Pokemon Go Plus, so that's right? That's secretly the first wearable, like, yeah. right there. It absolutely is. And yeah. I don't think they it makes did a, you walk, a, great, a great job on it. Just because I, I mentioned last week the clasp is the worst. Like, I yep. feel like it undoes itself every other minute. Whereas those Wii U clasps, man, those things don't come off for nothing nobody's business well, they made sure because those can fly yeah, into your tv fly into your tv there's that whole that whole chestnut um but yeah which, which happened at the old ign la office i kid tell you not tell that story tell what happened Catherine bow if you're listening to this uh <laughs> Catherine was in sales and she you know everybody everybody in editorial always made fun of the fact that the straps are there and like nobody ever used them and so then she played and she got really excited what game <laughs> And the thing, man, the thing hit the TV, and there was a mark forever on that thing. It was a plasma. It yeah. was a, it was there a, was, it a was a mark a... on the TV forever. That thing went flying. And so, obviously, you know, 
Like, it happened to more than one person. There were pictures of broken TVs. Sure, which sure. I gotta think. But there were also people handing it up on yeah, YouTube, putting sure. up the video like it was America's Funniest Home but, Videos. But, but then we all had to had to practice safe gaming with that uh, that rubbery thing on on top of the oh, controllers. The, yes. <laughs> I recently like I I kind of ignored that they were on there when I was playing Wii U, but I took them off. Yeah. And it's just so much nicer, man. Yeah. No, they, they were, are nicer to hold. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. All right, next question comes from Nathan. Uh, it's a little long, so I'm going to try and get to it. He says he took a bit of flack recently, uh, so he loves the show. Let's Everyone starts the episode with, lo- Thank with you. The, the email, we love the show. I don't want to overlook that. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, he took some flack from the NBC Facebook group recently <laughs> because uh, it was due to my folks essentially saying that if Nintendo doesn't reveal any info on the NX by the end of October, I am out and they can keep their console. People took issue with this seemingly entitled opinion while others defended that position, saying that Nintendo has brought this upon themselves. Uh, my, poach was, my, post, excuse, poach, my post, which was prompted by Jose's article about a uh, Chinese gaming tablet that looked just like uh, the rumored NX concept design, uh, was born out of frustration. I had a sneaking suspicion that Nintendo waited too long, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and he says... Basically, what, what's our take on this? Like, you know, sort of that position, I guess. Have they waited too long and missed their window? With this holiday season coming up and AAA games, uh, to say nothing, PSVR and Scorpio, you know, surely they can't wait until we enter the holiday shopping season to give us some news, can they? It depends on what it is, again, right? It like depends if, on what if, they, they want if, it to if be. If now the yeah. reveal is exactly all the rumors and there's nothing special, I, I do think that they have waited too long, right? Mm-hmm. That they will not be able to generate this excitement. But that's for us informed consumers, right? For the general public out there, they didn't know anything about Wii until you showed it to them. And, you know, it's going to be the same with a device like that where we are, we sit at the spout and we, you know, we know what's coming and we may be disappointed if it uh, doesn't live up to the hype and the long wait. But think about it the other way around. What if they had revealed the NX at E3 and the thing wouldn't come out till March? And then you have the announcement of the Xbox One S with its HD Blu-ray player. The PlayStation Pro, right? The Scorpio, like all these announcements, even this this Chinese um, device, you know, a, a kind of a, a cheaper tablet device that was shown, I think, even a year ago, right? Yeah, yeah. At a convention. Yeah, um, You know, like I, I think with all this time for it, for the concept to sit out there, for the competition to react to it and kind of consider whether they want to go in this direction, I think that would have been worse. I, I just don't – I don't think we can make that call until we see what it is. And yeah. I don't think that it's it, – it makes a lot of sense to, you know, get really upset about it and say, mm-hmm. well, I, if they don't tell me soon, I'm not buying it. I just think, look, if it's cool enough when they announce it, you're going to buy it. Like, let's not even pretend that's not a thing. I do think that you should – if you feel burned by Wii U and you have concerns, you should sit on the sidelines and just watch and wait and see. Yeah. But do I think it makes sense to – live with this ticking clock over your, your, your bedroom every night and every morning when you wake up saying, well, they yeah. still have it. And I'm a hypocrite because we just said the NES Classic still isn't available for pre-order. But you know what? That product has a date, and that date is a little over a month <laughs> away from now. And I, if anything can be learned from this, NX cannot, I feel, go this route, especially if you want your consumer to feel satisfied at the end of the day. Like, yeah. we're obsessing over NES Classic, and it's 30 games we all played already. That's kind of silly on our end. All I'm trying to say is hang in there. Um, I do think that it is – I do think that the wait is long, but I do think that there is enough announcements around it that 
maybe waiting is the smartest thing to do. Yeah, and then, we don't know that yet. Maybe there, it isn't. There's one more thing, Nathan, that you're forgetting about, of course, is that these devices are built to play games. And we know Zelda, and it looks good, and I guarantee you, you're going to want to play it on a, on a new shiny device. So when you're saying that you're out, you're probably not thinking all the way through because the moment they show you the next big Mario game, I guarantee you they pull you right back in. Yep, yep. And they get you every time. Every time. Pull me back in. Uh, what else you got? I'm trying to find one. Uh, all right, I'll entertain you. Yeah, entertain. Tell, yeah. Some, tell some jokes. I usually grabbed one, but I started answering that question. I, I have no jokes. So I'm going to look at uh, Jose's stuff. So yeah, Jose's, hold it up and I'll Jose's tell you where it came from. unhealthy Hamilton obsess, uh, obsession. <laughs> That's not part of my obsession. So Alexander Hamilton's that, Guide to Life. So that came in the minute I got back from vacation. It was sitting on my desk. Someone, I guess because I've tweeted about Hamilton uh-huh. so much and said so much on the show about, to find about what Hamilton is. Uh, I am. Uh, that uh, that showed up in the mail. I thought that was funny. Nice. Tell I, people I, what that's like. I thought you would by now have every Hamilton item, but it seems like you're no, never going to be satisfied. i manuels hair. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> uh, what is this? This is like how to play games? Why don't you, why don't you read what it is? You read Japanese. Yeah, but... Oh, his name. That's bad. I'm going to rip it. No, don't rip it. I'm going to rip it. Mm-hmm. What is this? This is like... This goes... Uh, this goes back to the 70s, man. What the hell is this? This is for old people. No, it doesn't go back to 70s. Yeah, look at this. 1974. That's Speed Sakurai's, Racer. Yeah, that's Sakurai's gaming history. That's, Taito. Uh, oh, I see. Stuff that he either admires or made. Uh, Pretty cool. Uh, and then you've got, of course, the Zelda Hy- Hyrule graphics thing that yep. looks really cool. Uh, what is what is that uh, Famicom th- uh, looking y- uh, Yokoi Gunpei oh, thing? Oh, this book is was a really good find. So sorry, we've transitioned over to things Jose bought on his Japanese vacation. Uh, so this is a book that is about uh, the devices and things that Yokoi made at Nintendo, um, and it was released the oh, year that man. it was originally re- released the year that he passed away. So I believe uh, me and a firm were looking through the copyright notices, and it said it was originally published in May of the year that he died. Um, and so this was after he left the company and he had moved on to, it was Wonderswan, right? Like yeah. he ended up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is just basically a book going through all of that stuff. And apparently he contributed to it, although a lot of it is written in the third person. So I'm not sure if he gave them notes, but there's some cool diagrams are, and things in it's there. It's awesome. These are true toys. And like, you know, when you think about Nintendo, how they're still like the crazy toy maker, there's like Eleconga, electric congas. Uh, you know, like a conga set that you can you can turn on with electric sounds, like a blaster, ball blaster, the the ultra hand, the grabby hand thing that lets you grab things that are far away without getting up. Uh, you know, obviously Rob, um, some of these inventions, the duck hunt rifle. Yeah, that um, thing is gnarly. Man. You should look that up. The original duck hunt uh, was a, a projector rifle game that you played on the wall. It was from Nintendo's toy line. And obviously in Japan, when they make a gun-based peripheral thing, they do not care if it looks like a real gun, which always freaks me out a little bit. Because overseas, that doesn't fly at all. But uh, we're a little more sensitive to that stuff, I feel. 
just because of horrible things that have happened. And then, of course, the Game & Watch, the Computer Mahjong Yakuman, which is a, an electronic Mahjong game. I remember when I was a kid, there were all these kind of handheld electronic yeah. games, yeah. even you know around the time of the Game & Watch. And then 1989, the Game Boy. Yeah, they then, even got a diagram of like the Love Tester yeah. and all that stuff. This is, is really there. cool, man. Yeah, I, I wish they would do like a full-color version of this book. Yeah, sometimes. I wish someone would translate it, to be honest. Virtual Boy 1995. In, yeah, it's all in end. Japanese. Yeah, the system right. that uh, solved the one problem that need to be solved all right our what last question today this is our last question for today it's a three-part question so i'm gonna let this fly uh it comes from connor fan of the show uh hey jose pair and sorry brian's not here but it says brian uh had a couple questions to throw past you guys number one as diehard mario fan i am both excited and terrified by nintendo's statement about how the next nx mario game will be a uh he calls it a huge shift for the franchise i gotta correct that but i'm gonna wait what kind of changes do you think this game will make to the franchise do you think it will be a galaxy sequel or some totally new concept he didn't say a huge shift so miyamoto said it would be a new way a new way of looking at mario a new way to play mario i don't i i didn't interpret it as like mario is also not going to be jumping or something like really crazy like that like i think you should pull that back in a little bit but i also think nintendo trains some of its fans to be afraid when they say they're <laughs> going to change something just because you don't know if you're getting you know uh uh you know your rpg elements are gone from paper mario or pikmin is 2d or like pikmin is as a 2d game or or yeah like i, I just think sometimes folks are, are, are trained to worry no offense connor um so I mean, I think it's just wait and see, but I, I guarantee you he's going to jump. Like, I, I think that if you look at the last great game in that series, Galaxy, I think what I loved most about Galaxy was that it was platforming under every single situation, what it felt like every situation possible, upside down, off a trampoline, <laughs> while being chased by a, by a sprite ghost that does the exact same things you do. Like, there was every single modifier I can think of, yeah. and I never would have thought I'd be running on the ceiling uh, in a Mario game, understanding and making the jumps as well as I did, but I did. Yeah, again, it, dep- it really depends on what device this is, too, right? Yeah. Like, if, you know, if the NX has straps and you can strap it to your head and do VR games, you can imagine that the Mario uh, games have to evolve with that as well, which, you know, it's not, it's prime focus is not going to be a, a, a VR headset, of course. But, like, it, it really depends on what this machine can do. Yeah. Um, but like when you go back in history, right? Like the Mario, like the first couple of years of the Mario games, they were basically a straight up evolution. It's like you're playing this game. Yeah, some of the elements changed, and like at one point you pulled out turnips because you had this weird offshoot game. But generally, they stayed the same until you go to like the the Mario sixty four age, right? Like yeah. where the game concept really changed radically. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I was going to bring up was look at Aonuma and, and don't forget like the Zelda team and the Mario team are the two most talented teams at mm-hmm. Nintendo. Like this is the top design talent is put on those two teams. I I, I think I don't think that like that you would disagree. No, no, um, but but I mean looking Aonuma, at a game like Splatoon, there other you know other people fair. have ideas. No, yeah. that that's fair. Uh-huh. Um, but Aonuma and all that lead up to we're going to change, we're going to challenge the way you play Zelda. We're going to re-examine the conventions of how Zelda games work, and mm-hmm. then look at what Breath of the Wild is. It is not radically unlike any Zelda you've ever seen before. It's just one that is being a little more thoughtful and 
okay, we have a big open space. How do we want to entertain people while they're looking for things in that space? And the answer was physics and a lot of cool little discoveries. Yeah. And that's, that's essentially like you take the Miyamoto quote, right? Like Majora's Mask, Breath of the Wild, these are different from Link to the Past mm -hmm. or the Ocarina of Time formula, which is that game in 3D, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're departures. And, and so I think that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Like if you think back to Sunshine, Sunshine was a pretty big departure from Mario 64 yep. in that – You know, they gave you the, the ability to hover with this device and, like, shoot, essentially, right? And Which you swim, never had a yeah, Mario game. All this crazy so stuff. all these weird kind of physics puzzles that were added before they yanked the backpack away. And then you're like, oh, my God, that's what Mario used to be like. <laughs> this is terrifying, right? Yeah, um, especially in those stages. Yeah, yeah I, re I really like a lot of things that that game tried to do. Yeah. Um, and then Galaxy, again, changed a lot about how, like, how you think about traversing the world and, like, the puzzles that they did. And, like, yeah. it, it's almost like... Mario was trapped in these toys, right? Like yep. these kind of giant pills with labyrinths in them, and um, so I, th I think I think this is something to be excited about because yep. you're gonna you're gonna get a departure like a galaxy from a Mario 64. Yep. So then, uh, second question: Why is it that GameCube games are totally absent from the Wii U Virtual Console? I mean, you, no one knows. My guess: big. It probably costs more to make them look better, or to make them run at all. Yeah, but. I mean, that's a good question. Where It is. Are they? Yeah, they put N64 games up there, but maybe that's uh, somewhat easier yeah. to do. I mean, my initial reaction would have been, um, would have been like space. I mean, they're very big games to download in some cases, but then we would yeah, be they, the same. They put right? Wii games up for download. Yeah, yeah so that and would so be it. That's not. Uh, that's not a reason. I don't know. That's weird. Mm. Maybe it's uh, definitely a, th a thing that folks have brought up constantly. Like, yeah. where are the GameCube games? And it's like, well. On your GameCube? But maybe it's also a sign that some of the best GameCube games were playable on Wii and Wii U, right? Like think of uh, Metroid Prime or, mm. or Wind, uh, Waker, Wind Waker, right? HD, and so the well, there weren't as many titles that were conspicuously absent that I want they had to Dash. make available. I want Double Dash. I want... Uh, I mean, I, I, could, I could think of some. What was that one that Sega well, Double made? Double Dash with, is with coming the back on the with, with NX, the, that's why. Yeah, with the kid with the, with the chicken. Billy Hatcher, you like that game. That's Sega's game, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember. That was uh, from, was it Yuji Naka? Who, who I don't that? remember. It was, from uh, yeah, it was from uh, Sonic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The team, Sonic team. Yeah, but there um, was Billy Hatcher. I mean, Fantasy Star Online, even though the online part yeah, wouldn't yeah. work, so that yeah, wouldn't Fantasy work. Star, yeah, that's yeah. tough to make yeah, work. You have to upgrade to that, work. but that'd be really cool in yeah, today's yeah. age again. Mm -hmm. Sunshine. Yeah, we were just talking about Sunshine. Sunshine is the game I thought would show up on Wii. Me too. Like the minute you saw a Wii remote, I was like, you know how easy it would be to aim flood now? Oh my finally. god! Like finally, and it's like, nope, you're not, you're not getting that. And I'm like, ah. yeah, no, yeah, I always yeah, thought that's that a, it's a, sense. it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I, no. I don't. I mean, there's no reason. Like, it's not the controller no. or the technology or anything. They could make it happen if they yeah. wanted to. Maybe one day we'll get to ask. But I'm definitely not burning a Miyamoto question on where the hell are the GameCube <laughs> games. I'm sorry. Like, no offense, Connor. Uh, so next one, I love hearing from you guys uh, about uh, basically new indie games that come out on the eShop. What are three Wii U indie games off the top of your head that you would recommend checking out? Oh, man. Fast Racing Neo. Huh? I did one Yeah, Fast it. Racing Neo, uh, the, they just had the collection uh, come out for Wii U. Yeah, um, yeah. With in Europe. Oh, it's only in Europe? Well, the package version is only in Europe, but the DLC should be out uh, everywhere if it's not out already. I was on vacation, so I haven't checked. All right. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank. What are they called? They're, uh, um, uh, what are the games called? What? Um, the, oh, the, the eShop Selects is what those yeah, were called. Yeah, yeah. yeah but no, if you're, you're a European listener, you can go pick that game up. Yeah. Uh, what's, a, what's, a, what's a good... On the Wii U? SteamWorld Heist. 
Yeah, so that's uh, sorry. That's what I was out. thinking about. I'm like I'm yeah. drawing a blank. I can't remember the title. Uh, SteamWorld Heist and SteamWorld Dig mm -hmm. are out. Is that the game that's only in Europe or no? Uh, no, that's here too, right? No, they're both here. Yeah, yeah. SteamWorld Dig. So there's a there's the the double pack um, for those two games. Like I a collection. Really, really like them both. Mm -hmm. um, you'll enjoy them if you haven't played them. You know, I played um, Heist on the 3DS. It's a it's a great little turn-based shooter, which yeah. which with crazy robots and in this crazy universe and. So yeah. For the third one, Affordable Space Adventures, because we loved it. We so had a lot I really like that. that game. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would also say Runbo. Runbo was is fun if you have a group. I don't. I, I yeah. think it's a little bit generic in terms of the the character look, and I think that's my only beef with that game. But if you have a group of people willing to give that game a shot, you will have a great time with that game. Like, yeah. No, no question. But I would I would say for Affordable Space Adventures it, Adventures, it's a three friends game. Yeah. Also or, co op. And co then will be enemies after the game. Yep. Uh, when you play it, that's a get that if you are planning to play co-op, yeah. you know. Okay. But that's a really clever game, and like it's hard to make that game happen on any other device yep. and yep. any other machine. Yeah. So that's a unique. Also one. got Jolton, which huh? you and I played. Which one? Jolton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That Those was part good. of the September. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nindies thing. I mean, it's, it's Verge. It's, easy. Yeah, you you put me on a spot. I haven't thought about this, but like, that's why I'm trying go, to help you out. You go into the eShop. There, there are a ton of um, there are a ton of really good games there. Yep. You yep. know. Yeah. Shovel Knight. The yeah. indie game. I, I almost feel like it's not indie anymore because it's so big. It's still an indie game. Yeah, I know it you is, know? but it's, it's that's, fantastic. To me, one. that's like Axiom Verge. It's kind of like this throwback indie game. Like the developer did not spend all this time on, on high-dev graphics, mm -hmm. right? It's like this love letter to classic games. Yep. Yeah, those right. are, that's a good selection. I mean, start there. If you've played all of them, please come back. Yep. Cool. Well, that's his last uh, question in his three-part volley. Thank you, Connor, for emailing us. Thank you, everyone, for emailing us. Um, and we've got another episode in the book. You want to pick up one more thing from the table to, to bring up and talk about the tier? I think so, we went through everything. You just have, uh, what is this Super Smash Brothers stand thing? Oh, so in Japan, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see this. If you're listening, sorry, but I will do my best to describe it. Uh, Nintendo put out these dioramas for you to display your amiibo. Basically, the thing that third parties were doing, but Nintendo did it uh, on a cheaper scale. And in some ways, it looks better to me than like the warp pipe that holds, uh, you know, like a Mario figure that they sell or there's like one, the yeah. one that it's like a staircase from the end of a mario level uh so this is completely made of of cardboard hard cardboard at that and you have to basically put the pieces together they have one for smash brothers they have one for splatoon they have several for splatoon actually they have the stage where the girls sing and i think they have two multiplayer stages um yeah the squid sisters which by the way i put the squids this is a weird thing that occurred to me the other day just because i got back from vacation i was severely jet lag and i looked at my desk and i had uh, Callie, uh, Mario, Luigi, and Mari all lined up. And I just realized, oh, wow, pink and red, green and green, like, were these somehow influencing each other? Like, brothers, sisters? Never occurred to me. Really weird. Wow, yeah. Just a thing that then, was like, hey. I think that Nintendo loves that setup, right? Like, yeah. the part counterpart, like the Wario, Wario to Waluigi. Yeah. Like the, the kind of they're, they're related visually, but they, there's like a distinct color difference going on. Yeah. And then when you look closer, obviously there's more. But yeah, 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 no, but you see that. Yeah. I was like, oh, pink and red instead of just like yeah, flat yeah. red. But then again, red wouldn't look good in Splatoon. Yep. But anyway, they would look like blood. But anyway, uh, so yeah, you can pick these up. Um, so they have several. It's mostly plastic and cardboard. It costs, this one was eight bucks. Um, oh, nice. I heard they tanked actually in Japan. It did not do well, but it's this sort of si silly thing you can buy to display your amiibo if you have the space. We actually have this in a display case outside the office uh, or outside of editorial, but 
within the offices. Ooh, of IBM. so you can see it in person when you come to visit. Yeah, you can see it when That's you come right. in. Yeah, we actually have one there, and uh, yeah, 20, you can find it years online of if you look for it. Yeah, is that it? Is there anything else here? No, that's it. I think we, we went through everything. That's really okay. cool. Cool, cool. Nice yeah. little collection. Nice, everything nice I got haul. on my Japanese vacation. Yeah, including. Well, this uh, is for me, right? Thank uh, you, you so yeah. much. That's Sorry. very nice of you. <laughs> that is uh, oh, Link's Awakening DX in Japanese, which has a really cool box. Yeah, it's a really cool box. The Game Boy Color version. Yeah, I found that in a shop while I was looking around with a friend of mine. You know what he brought up? That every game uh, has a story, and I feel like uh, we should explore that a little more. Just like every game on your shelf has sort of a time and a place where you were, who you were with, what happened, what didn't happen. Uh, maybe we should explore that on the show. A I, I more. think that's a really, really interesting concept. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Well, there you have it. This is Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of October 6th. No Brian, but if you're at Comic Con, make sure you stop the great rapper and say what's up. Say hi. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure and, and be polite otherwise I don't know he's from Jersey those guys can be kind of twitchy he's actually not as scary as he pretends to be is he? he's harmless he's har- <laughs> but he may have Max with him who's very, uh, with him who's very tall yeah So, yeah. but also harmless yeah you, also you totally harmless yeah, yeah I was gonna say yeah. you know but go say hi yeah, uh, nice. go see those guys and if not come see us October 15th in town you can't miss us IGN 20 years of gaming celebrating it with Alienware <laughs> you should be there all right, lastly, you can find us on Twitter. Well, first, you can email us with feedback on the show, nbc at ign.com. Yep. Lastly, you can, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Brian Altano at Agent Bizzle on Twitter. In fact, use that to find out where he is during Comic-Con. You can find Per Schneider at... Per IGN. You can find myself, Jose underscore Otero. Thank you so much for watching, listening, participating, emailing. And for... Come back next week for more Nintendo Voice Show. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.